And welcome back. I'm Ronald Lesko, and I have a, a very, very good friend and, and guest with us today. Uh, it's been a couple of years since he's been on the show before the pandemic uh, and before I started FolkMusicNotebook.com, the internet channel that I direct. Um, but he is, uh, he's been quite busy. He's been writing a book. Now, he's known as a wonderful folk performer, a family performer, children's performer, actor. Uh, <laughs> I think he's done it all. And now you can add author to that. Um, also, in, in May of 22, uh, he was awarded the Distinguished Service Award from the New Jersey Governor's Awards and Arts Education Program. Um, he's done some incredible work with children as an educator over the years, and uh, we're so glad to have him with us today. Please welcome Dave Fry. Dave, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad to be with you, Ron. We, uh, we communicate over the airwaves because uh, through my radio programming on uh, Folk Music Notebook, and uh, I do a Thursday show there. Right. And, uh, so I'm, I got my hands in a lot of different things. You sure do. And, and, and somehow you found time to write a book about a, a little venue that you founded uh, 47 years ago, co-founded, uh, a little place called Godfrey Daniels, which is uh, a, a true treasure for the folk music community and, and, and the music community in general. Uh, but you put out a book. It's called Welcome to Godfrey Daniels, How a Small Folk Club became a legendary venue for musicians from around the world. And uh, it, it's just a beautiful 144-page book with stories and pictures and uh, the history of, uh, of how it all happened. Uh, Dave, tell us how it did happen. I mean, you started this with um, Cindy Dinsmore back in 1976, I think March 19th, if uh, my dates are correct, was your first show. Dave uh, Spring. Back yeah. in uh, and, how did it begin? Well, there was a bar. There is a bar next door called the Lehigh Tavern. And uh, it had a pretty active music scene going on at the time. And they had music uh, five and six nights a week. And I was in a band uh, with Shimersville Sheiks. And, and we would play there. Had a good crowd. And... Uh, in talking with the bar owner, I said, you know, it would be really nice to have a venue where people are listening mm -hmm. and a place where a performer can play where people are listening. Yeah. And there seemed to be a lack here in the Lehigh Valley. So talking with him, I, he said, well, you know, there's an empty donut shop next door. Maybe we can talk to the landowner and, and uh, see if, see if he is open to uh, renting it out. So we did. So we were um, right next door to this active uh, bar scene. Uh, there was really nothing else going on the south side of Bethlehem at that time. Bethlehem Steel was getting up and leaving, and um, it was kind of a derelict mm. part of town. But that gave us the opportunity to sneak in. <laughs> And that, that turned out to be pretty nice. Um, so we gathered enough money, used some of the leverage from the bar owner to, to uh, purchase carpet and tables and chairs and a hot dog machine. <laughs> we, out, we outgrew the hot dog machine, thank goodness. Um, so we got started in um, March 19th, 76. 
and I gathered a bunch of the local folks from the acoustic scene, and we put on a show yeah. and took names, created a mailing list, uh, put out a poster, uh, did a mailer, did everything we could to keep in touch with the people who came through the door. And, and in that way, we developed what would become our membership program. It also meant going to the local newspaper and trying to get articles and photos in there. And at the time, there wasn't any radio to speak of. Right. So we, uh, we had to invent that as well. So, um, and that's kind of part of the story of what happens in the book is how this morphed into uh, an international, internationally known club. But, and also, it, go, it talks about the phases of the, the folk scene uh, across the states and internationally of, of when uh, record companies would sponsor uh, acts and get records out to the radio stations and have nice, nicely produced um, posters and help some of these really big acts tour the United States. And we were able to get them in on a bunch of these tours. And obviously the, the touring has been cut back tremendously. But back then during the 80s, 90s, uh, there were a lot of great bands looking for places to play where they could play here on a Thursday night and play at maybe a college arena uh, on the weekends. And uh, we, the word got out quickly, first through New York and a bunch of the performers that came in spread the word. Jay Unger came through with Paul Siebel in the first three weeks or so as part of that band, and he let people know about it. Rosalie Sorrells did a great job of letting people know on the folk scene. She got us in touch with Dave Van Ronk. And uh, the word got out that there was a folk music club in Bethlehem that took care of the performers. That's where Cindy Dinsmore comes in, giving them great food and great sound and a listening audience. And it was those those things that really uh, opened up the door to a lot of people coming through. It's, it's a tough job starting up a club, even back then. Uh, and especially, you know, being in an area like Bethlehem, as you said, it was not the, uh, the best part of town, but, you know, I think your reputation and, and, and what you built and what you just described is, is what, what brought everybody in. Uh, and it's still going strong after 47 years, uh, that's quite an accomplishment. Now, when you started out, you weren't a nonprofit. It was was it originally? No, it was it was a, until about uh, we became a state nonprofit, and uh, then applied for the national for the IRS tax exempt status. But mm -hmm. that didn't happen until four or five, six years later. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were just existing pretty much on what we got at the door and my gigs. Wow. Yeah. That, that, 
that's not easy to do <laughs> but uh, but you, you you built this club up and 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 the book uh, tells the story and and shares so many wonderful um photographs um you know, I, I want to play a song now, and you know, because you're you're a wonderful artist yourself, you recorded an album a few years back uh, called Troubadour, which uh, featured a song from uh, the the John Gorka wrote, and it was about John's experience working at Godfrey Daniels and meeting a, a gentleman by the name of Stan Rogers. Oh, there there's a picture of uh, of John performing there. Yeah, John wrote the foreword for that. Uh -huh. Well, let's take a listen now to to uh, Dave Fry and the song How Legends Are Made from Dave's album, Troubadour. I worked in place where the bands came through Some of them ran false And some rang true I'd stick around After they played To see how legends are made There are a few Who stand out in my mind some of them still roam, some lost to the grind. But now you ask of the special ones where the legends have gone. There was a man from north of here. He can raise his voice. And he could raise a beer And when he left The music stayed And that's how legends are made We were surprised How high he stood It was hard to believe Someone could sing that good they shared more gold than any band was paid And that's how legends are made So long it was nice meeting you But how do you get back to Route 22 from here? was a bass man and a brother on lead There was no more cause there was no need So fine to see what they could give Cause legends call on us to live They came in high and they came in low Worn by the miles, are fresh from home. Hard work and magic, some tragic end. And so a legend begins. So long you 
that was Dave Fry, How Legends Are Made, a song written by John Gorka from Dave's album, Troubadour. And we're talking to Dave today about his new book, Welcome to Godfrey Daniels, How a Small Folk Club Became a Legendary Venue for Musicians from Around the World. And uh, talking about John Gorka, uh, he was, I, I guess, a college student when he started uh, working yeah, here. He went to Moravian and and uh, kind of came in to the, the family and played on the uh, open mics and mm-hmm. just blew us away with his songs. Yeah. And um, did sound. He uh, John talks about that song and and his initial um, reticence of being around Stan Rogers. It's pretty funny. He talks about that on stage mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, and then he got involved with the songwriters projects in uh, New York City with John, with Jack Hardy, and along with people like Cliff Eberhardt and Christine Lavin, Patty Larkin, uh, developed oh, and got his music out on the radio thanks to uh, Jack Hardy's putting out um, a monthly album. Right. And people were playing John Gorka up in Boston and various other places. And there were full houses waiting for John when he started to tour, thanks to Jack Hardy. Yeah, I remember those fast folk albums. That's about when I started doing radio back in 1980, and uh, and John was an early guest on my on my my show back then. Uh, but looking at so much that has changed in in the music industry, that I and I hear of venues closing, festivals having troubles, uh, but yet Godfrey Daniels is still going. Uh, how? What's the secret? Do you have something that you can uh, <laughs> advise sh- to share with all of us? Well, I agree. Things have changed drastically, and um, but we've ma- remained true to the elements that I talked about of giving good sound, a good audience, and taking care of the performer. And we've developed a lot of goodwill. It was tough to just get exposed in our own area. That was mm-hmm. really hard. But um, but now there's a radio station. Uh, NPR station in town, which I do radio shows uh, in various modes, including live from Godfrey Daniels. And so we have a presence on the radio. We also have a track record with the newspapers. So they, they put stuff up, you know, three or four times a month as uh, events to to go see for the weekend. Uh, And thanks to the internet, we don't have to send out a monthly schedule. We mm-hmm. get people to go online and check out the schedule. And on on the web, that gives you the opportunity to put the audience directly in touch with the performer where they can see videos um, and visit websites of the performers. So it's not such a blind choice for people to come in uh, for a new performer and be kind of informed about what that performer does. So that's, that's all to the good. Uh, Also, Ramona Labar, our current uh, manager, artistic manager, uh, is working on grants. Uh, In fact, uh, just this week, uh, we got a, a certain 
uh, foundation to install a new carpet and new flooring out front. So uh, we're able to put a shine on the club, you know, and, and that's real important when people walk in. We want to have a ooh factor. Mm. The thing I like is the performers come in and they go, oh, <laughs> you know, you can you can feel the aura of all these performers on stage and um, and they have a, an instant respect for the space, which is very gratifying. Yeah, there, there's something about certain rooms that, that you can just get that feeling of what's come in the past and, and what's coming in the future. And, you know, as I, I look at the schedule for Godfrey Daniels, uh, it is quite a mix of artists. Uh, I know today was we're airing this on April 16th, and I just a couple of hours before we aired this program, uh, they had a wonderful program for children of storytelling um, uh, on a Sunday afternoon. So you're getting young people and families involved and, and a lot of new artists that are coming up and, and classic names as well. Uh, who does one, one is Ramona is, <laughs> excuse me, is uh, dedicated to having gender equity, having as many female performers as male performers. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. But also we open up the club during the week for community jams. We have an old time jam, a bluegrass jam. Um, I run a, a song swap. Uh, the open mics are beginning to start up again. Uh, storytellers, various other uh, acts use the club to maintain our, our roots beyond just having performers coming in. Mm -hmm. It's uh, we should mention to our audience to check out the website, godfreydaniels.org. Um, the pandemic now, obviously doors had to be shut for, for, for a while during the, the shutdown. Has it been hard getting people to come back? Yeah. And you know, there was a political nature to it of having to wear masks and, and presenting, you know, uh, a vaccine card. And that kind of uh, drove a wedge between us and some people. But not, you know, we have a very understanding audience. And also the fact that we were getting checks in the mail of just support from, from our membership and from people who really wanted the club to survive sure and uh, i remember my opening a couple checks my knees getting weak you know i said wow this this is phenomenal uh people don't have to do this but they did and that carried us through the pandemic and gradually as we opened up we increased our capacity from it was uh 60 that's down like two-thirds are down one third and now we're back at 75 and a lot of the restrictions to size and masking came from the performers themselves a lot of the touring performers weren't willing to uh come into a club if the audience wasn't masked and carded and uh so we took it from them and and that's what we ran with and now uh, we're mask free and um, opening up and, and the crowds are getting bigger. It's good. Oh, 
That's good to hear. How about you as a performer? I mean, you, you do a lot of work in schools. Um, that had to be curtailed as well during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, I worked with the young audiences of New Jersey, which is a great organization. So they uh, sponsored a lot of um, technical Zooms on how to present yourself on line how to do assemblies online and it, it was a great exercise in developing familiarity with the techniques of uh, being online and uh, that was good mm. um, the, the gigs were not coming in at all I was lucky in that what got me through is playing locally uh, at farmers markets and things like that and the, the, the big performers out on the road lost everything. Like like yeah. my friend John Gorka and Garnet Rogers, you know, their whole life just shriveled up uh, with with not being able to perform. But I was lucky in that, it, that I could at least have a local scene to go out and perform for. And I also took it upon myself to put up a song a day and, uh, on YouTube and then put it on Facebook at like four in the morning. Yeah. So I, I, I vowed to do one year, 365 days in a row. And I ended up doing 500 days in a row. Uh -huh. And I got a great support from people who would wake up in the morning and have coffee with Dave Fry. Excellent. And, uh, but that maintained my creative juices while I was locked up. And that really got me through. And I got to explore uh, my repertoire, my repertoire from jug bands and bluegrass bands, uh, songs that I always wanted to play, you know, Beatles songs, um, you know, country rock songs, and uh, old hackneyed uh, jug band tunes and stuff like that. So that kept my head in the game. And, and, it's all up on on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, I think the old saying goes about when you're handed lemons, make lemonade. And I, I think folks like you in the folk community uh, really did a nice job of, of keeping people together and creating this online community during the pandemic. And uh, I, I think we're still seeing the, the benefits of that. And there's a lot of people obviously are you know getting older, can't get out to the clubs as often. So being able to still maintain that touch, uh, I think is just wonderful. Well, the book, was that a pandemic project or was this something in the, in the, in the uh, planning it went on for six, seven years? You know, I, I approached our board of directors and I uh, wanted to do kind of a kind of picture and caption type of book, but members of the board said, no, if you're going to do it, do it upright. So I approached a good friend who uh, was a magazine editor at Rodale and, uh, and, a, and a good friend. And he, he, was, he took me through the, uh, the process and told me where to whittle things down. And, you know, I would just write a chapter on one year. And with the help of the old, um, the old schedules and flyers, as well as, a printout of all the acts that came through, 
I was able to kind of recreate each year. And on top of that, uh, I was, it was suggested that I do uh, a chapter head, which where I would take a step, take a step back and consider what each decade meant as far as folk music and the growth of the club. So there's, there's ones about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000, 2010s, where I was able to kind of philosophize about the movement in the folk scene. I also was able to get other folks to add their voices and uh, write, write little projects. And uh, so that there's, it's not just my voice. That's the nice thing. It, there's a lot of a lot of other voices involved. Mm -hmm. It's a real community project. I, I assume our uh, listeners, if they're interested, they can, first of all, I guess they, they, have, they can get a copy at Godfrey Daniels in Bethlehem, or uh, can they order it online as well? Yeah, the godfreydaniels.org, uh, the website has, has a link to that. Mm -hmm. And there's a link as well on, on my, my website, dayprymusic.com. Excellent. Well, um, it, it's it's a book certainly worth checking out, and um, a, a, not only a history lesson, but also I think an example for other clubs that are struggling and clubs that are trying to start out uh, about how you guys did it, and you know maybe some of the things that happened in 1976 aren't the same as they are in 2023, but, you know, I think there's a lot that could be learned from that. How, how would, how would you advise somebody if they're looking to start a, a venue or an, or an organization like Godfrey Daniels? One is go to the clubs. I, mm -hmm. I early on in the book, I tipped my hat to Cafe Lena. That's where I first went and saw live folk music and that blew my mind. Um, and it, it opened up the possibilities of music in a small club in an intimate venue with really good performers who know how to work, uh, a venue like that, go see people and, and, um, and talk to them. I remember coming up to, uh, John Hartford at the Philly Folk Festival uh, behind the stage, and I said, "Would you like to play a small club in Bethlehem?" And he said, "Sure." <laughs> you know, more, more often than not, you know, folk folk musicians want to play, sure, and are willing to help you out and and work with you to increase their their touring, but also to, for them to explore the folk circuit themselves. Mm -hmm. It, it's it's harder in 2023 obviously i know musicians are hurting and touring is becoming more difficult than ever um but yet there are stages like godfrey daniels that uh i think is set a shining example and uh, and hopefully more folks will pick up on that um what what do you see for the future i mean what 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 do you think is I mean, there's so many different styles of music godfrey's uh, does a great job of, of bringing everybody in but are you hopeful for the, the future? For will we see the fiftieth anniversary of Godfrey Daniels? Well, I certainly hope so. Right. Uh, but I think it's important to reach out to younger folks, give them some things to do, sponsor song swaps, an open mic, um, various things that give the opportunity for your community's folks to get on stage and play. 
And those are the folks who are going to spread the word. That's really important. Also, figure out who are the people in your community that will help support you. And that requires uh, communication with other arts organizations, with the newspapers, with the radio uh, folks, and various other things who are not necessarily directly in folk music, but know what you're going through. I think that's real important as well. I wrote a kind of an epilogue about this and where where we're going. And as you know, you know, folk festivals are, are shrinking up like you wouldn't believe because yeah. the audience is old. Um, so, and that was part, that is part of what we're trying to do is find the younger folks who play in our area. In fact, uh, we had a gentleman, a young player, Seth Witcher, who has never played the club. And uh, we, we, we hooked him up a couple weeks ago, and he had a full house. Oh, and nice. he sold out quicker than any other performer within, you know, 10 days, thanks to his work on social media and also his playing in the area. Uh, so the house filled up. So it can be done. Well, that's a great sign. And also, we should mention getting great volunteers. Uh, Godfrey Daniels doesn't run itself. <laughs> you have to have some dedicated people to, 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 to put it all together. Well, and also, you know, that's part of what we do with radio. Uh, the, the live from Godfrey Daniels that I do on Folk Music Notebook and on WDIY is a way of getting people in the club and listening to the energy that comes back to the performers and also how the performers respond to mm -hmm. that uh, with stories. All You know, it's not just a song, but it's the song and the story and the reaction that is really important with radio work, as you know. Well, you've, you've done an amazing job with that show. It's one of my favorite shows on the channel. And just listening to the archives of material that you've recorded over 47 years, the names that keep coming back, and, and you mix it in with all these new artists, too. It's, it's, it's truly, uh, truly amazing. So I want to publicly thank you for, for putting this show okay. together. Well, the quality of, of, of the music is, the music itself, as well as the sound quality, is amazing. In fact, I can take, the uh, the sound from Saturday night's show and play it on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible. And that's part of the mission with our radio is that it's sure it's archives, but it's up to the date archives. Right. And it shows the vitality of the current booking as well as the, the classics, you know, Tom Rush and Rosalie Sorrells, Utah Phillips and all those great folks who helped build the club. And I think it also shows the timelessness of folk music. I mean, those songs, because they all mix in together so well and remain timely, sometimes for not so great reasons for some topical songs, but uh, the fact that it still relates to our lives, I mean, that's what folk music has always been about. Well, well Dave, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today, and, uh, and thank you for writing this book. Again, it's called Welcome to Godfrey Daniels, how a small folk club became a legendary venue for, for musicians from around the world. And it's a, a, a tribute to Godfrey Daniels, a club that you founded, uh, co-founded 47 years ago, still going strong. And uh, 
I, I'm looking forward to the sequel to this book now. You're, you're going to work. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm working on a scratch and sniff book. <laughs> not, not the original hot dogs. Are we going to get that? <laughs> uh, I'll take that. You bet. All right. Well, Dave, uh, could you let our listeners know again uh, how they can get in touch with you for about your music and uh, also about Godfrey Daniels? Great. And tip of the hat to you and Folk Music Notebook and all the work that you do in New Jersey uh, presenting live folk music as well. Thank you. We're uh, birds of a feather. <laughs> and and you, what, what are your websites again? DaveFryMusic.com and also on Facebook. Dave Fry, and then on Dave Fry Music on Facebook, I blog about all of my gigs. Uh, that's an important part of being a, a children's performer is being able to talk about your work and how how you go about playing for kids. So that's uh, Dave Fry Music on Facebook, and Dave Fry is my just general chat. You're just an amazing man, Dave, and I want to thank you again for spending some time with us. And uh, I want to play another song from your album, Troubadour, which uh, I think is another good song about lessons. And this one is Lessons from Pete Seeger. Could, could you you play a DJ and uh, introduce this for us? Sure. Back in the day when I lived in upstate New York, I would go home from college at Lehigh in Bethlehem and connect with some of my my friends, my acoustic friends up there. And we were lucky that Pete Seeger was doing his sloop concerts. And he was going to do a concert along the Hudson River, not far from my home. So we packed in a couple folks and went to go see Pete. And there were about 10 people there. But it was Pete Seeger. And Pete started off his set by saying, here's your part. And that, that really took us back. And that's what this song really talks about, of how Pete molded what I do as a performer, both as a children's performer and as an adult performer, and how you have to involve the audience. That's what this song is all about. Dave Fry, thank you so much for all you do, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks. I first met this folk singer along the river in my old hometown. He was just a man with a banjo. But he shook my whole world round. He says it's the singing not the listening that forged these human bonds. And when we sing together, we make our community strong. Now as banjo-red music surrounds hate and drains its fearsome power, and his voice sang, we can save the world if we let each other flower. And his songs of old were not so cold as to be different from times today. But it was his spirit that moved me to be the musician I am today. Now there's places where this music still happens. 
be it coffee house, tavern, or home. It doesn't have to cook under hot stage lights. It's the feeling that's got to be warm. Because it's the sharing and the caring that makes folk music ring so true. And these times we spend together are so precious and so few. Round. 